Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio. Join us each week as we delve into some of life's most complex questions. It's time to explore the unexplained with your hosts, Karen Frazier and Rick Hale. It is Thursday night, and if you can hear our voices, you are exactly where you need to be. She is Karen Frazier. I am Raquel. This is Paranormal Underground Radio at hazyradio.com. Welcome. Karen. Rick. It has been a month. It has. It's been a month, and it was a lovely month off. Um, Yes. Much needed. So it's good to be back, though. Good to be back in our Thursday night slot. Right. I mean, you know, like the last the last month or so, I've been working on some stuff as well. And, you know, I'm going to be talking a little bit about that later on. And, um, you know, just being able to spend that one extra day with the missus and the boy was uh, was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, and we've had a lot of stuff going on around here. We always do. And right. um, so, yeah, it was kind of nice to have Thursday nights off and not have to do much for, for a while, but it's good to be back as well. So we had the best show planned for you guys tonight. Unfortunately, yeah. our guest literally stormed out. And by what I mean by that is not like slammed the door and stomped out. She's having a storm right. um, and doesn't feel comfortable being on the computer, and we certainly understand that and didn't want to make her. So that being said, we are being tried by fire tonight, coming back after a month off. We probably have nothing to say to each other. We probably don't even know each other anymore. I think we know each other. Yeah, who are you again? Which one? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, so, you know, instead we have like Cheryl. Cheryl's our guest. Mm-hmm. Say what? Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl gets to come on and talk some tonight. Yay for Cheryl. I was just saying, now Cheryl's going to sit there and not speak. You guys have so much interesting stuff to talk about. Who are you kidding? You guys have so many, like, you've been on investigations and you have new projects and yes. cool stuff. I've got nothing. Except I do have the magazine, but yeah. See? So you have <laughs> things. I have things. You have things going on. <laughs> Always yeah. working, always planning. And, it's, and you know what? And it's a great magazine that we got coming up, too. Oh, my That's gosh. Right. I am so excited about it. It just, mm-hmm. every issue, I you writers amaze me. Seriously. Good Chock stuff. full of paranormal goodness. It huh? is. It is amazing. Yeah. So, yep. But you're not gonna you're not gonna give us a preview. That's it. I am. That's all you're gonna I say. I am, but I don't know when you want me to give it to you. Well, we thought now yeah. since we were talking about it. All I right. mean, it just seems to flow logically into the conversation, right. right? It does. Right. It does. And I just want to say that we are going to reschedule our guest, Cindy Pons Newell, and we are going to eventually have a discussion about spirit attachments. And uh, and so we'll let you know. Check out our website or Facebook page as to when we are going to reschedule that interview. But um, we want her to be safe, safe, and you know when there's lightning going on um, right around you, not a good thing to be on the computer. So no, I also yeah. before Nobody we go into the magazine, mm-hmm. I wanted to also just little disclaimer here: my idiot neighbors <laughs> have been shooting Let's hope off. They don't listen. <laughs> Well, if they do, they don't know I'm the one that lives next door to them. Um, Anyway, they have been shooting off fireworks all day long. Very, very loud fireworks. Now, normally that wouldn't be a problem except for that we have four dogs. Four Mm -hmm. small, nervous dogs. So it's been pretty good. We've been talking now for about 40 minutes and no fireworks have gone off. Um, So hopefully they're done, but if not... I'll do the best I can, but man, my dogs are 
a little anxious and barking. My dogs are barking. Yeah, my the dogs are barking. <laughs> yeah, last anyway. last voting last. Uh, uh, oh my God! Uh, election, excuse me. Um, we, the people here in my city, voted fireworks back to being legal. So you could I imagine. I wish you would do that here in Illinois. Oh my God! It's been totally like around missing. here. Lots of fireworks going on. Wait, fireworks aren't legal in Illinois? Oh no, they've been illegal ever since some since some Dingleberry back in the '80s blew his hand off, and and ever since then. I mean, it's like okay, here's like let. I don't mean to sound like a Vulcan or anything like that, but here's logic. Don't hold the firework in your hand. Oh, it's going to hurt you. you know? Yeah, I know. I just watched this. I don't know. It was like, you know how they have all those buzz feeds that people post on Facebook. Yeah. And I just watched one the other night. And it was like something like 25 stupid things people have done with fireworks. Mm-hmm. Oh, my oh, God. People are stupid. Oh, my God. You know what? I, I, I love watching old episodes of Jackass. And, like, there's one episode where they're shooting bottle rockets from each other's buttholes. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff oh, they were doing with this BuzzFeed thing. Nice. Yeah, but that, that's hysterical. But at the same time, it's like, you're ruining it for the rest of us, guys. Yeah, I know. Hey, okay, so, Cheryl, let's talk magazine. All right, my phone's ringing. Sorry. <laughs> No, I forgot to unplug. I usually unplug the phone when I'm doing the show. Obviously, I have forgotten to do so. Um, but uh, it's about to go off here in a second. Okay. I didn't unplug my dogs either. So. Yeah. <laughs> you got your dogs. I got my phone. All right. Um, we have a, a great magazine. And if you haven't checked out the June issue, you got to check that out. That's online right now, available as a PDF from our website or via Apple Newsstand or Google Play App Store. Uh, but cool. our our upcoming July issue, which is in final the final stages of preparation right now, should be out soon. Is amazing. We have, if I do say so myself. Okay, <laughs> we have. It's a make balls. Yeah, we have an interview with Keith Age, and That's cool. um, yeah, mm-hmm. and Keith Age has been at the forefront of investigating the paranormal, you know, for many many years. And, um, yeah, and he was recently on Chuck's show in the dark radio here on hazy radio. And he also agreed to do a Q and a for the magazine. Well, as well, he should as well, he should. And so he did. And so we've got some good insights. Chuck wrote that one. And, uh, if that's called our investigator spotlight, you have to check that out. I also have this really kind of the teacher's pet. Anyway, go on. He is. Yeah, he really is. Chuck. (laughs) You know, We're it's just, just that he's shiny and new, Rick. We have tarnished because we've been around a while. But Chuck is still all shiny and new. Yeah. Well, he, you know, you know, he is my brother and all. He is your yeah. brother, but he is shiny and new, and so Cheryl loves him better than she loves us. Now, now. And I, I thought about acting that. out, but I've decided not that. to. I love all of you equally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. my mom used to tell us that, too. We all know that's not true. We saw right yeah, there, I don't no. talk to my mom anymore, and that's exactly why. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on with the magazine. I'm sorry. No problem. I also had the opportunity to touch base with the Dead Files team. Oh, who great. Who have been on our show a couple of times, Amy Ellen and Steve Deshavi. And their show is coming back on, I think, is it this weekend? No, next weekend, Ooh. I believe. I believe it's mm-hmm. next there weekend. It's moving to Saturday. So there is a day change. It used to be on Friday, now Saturday. And they answered some questions for us about what viewers can expect from their show this season, as well as um, uh, some of the cases that they encountered and, and just, you know, caught up with them. So that's going to be in there. Check that out. Cool. 
Um, we have a special report on uh, black-eyed kids. It's it's a bit of a follow-up to Chuck's report uh, in February. Chuck. Um, Chuck didn't Chuck. write this one, though, but he set the pace for it. So no, I'm but gonna, she did yeah. have to mention Chuck. I did mention Chuck again. Yeah, she did. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like she's just like rubbing her face in it. Like, I love Chuck more than you. Chuck is probably listening right now. He's probably loving this. Um, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. Chuck, Chuck. So Chuck, Chuck, a little Chuck. bit more about black-eyed kids and asking the question, really, what is a black-eyed kid? And, and a few theories around... What they I, are. I I can answer that. It's a kid with black eyes. Now, are you being serious? I think it's about an urban that? legend. Urban legend. Yeah, a, a urban black-eyed kid is a kid with black eyes. Now, ha- okay. So, what about the credible reports from people that you would think, okay, credible person, no reason to make something up. Never heard it from a credible it, person. You never, never, never. never heard. No, it. everything no, is like an urban legend. Yeah, I mean, I everything is heard... like uh, everything is like. Well, I heard this uh, this from my brother's uncles. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like that it has all of the hallmarks. Box. All right, it has all of the hallmarks of an urban legend. Yeah. but yeah. it's a fascinating urban legend, and maybe we create them. Maybe we're creating them because yeah. we fear them. Well, and here's the thing: I have heard more than just you know urban legend. I've heard from people saying that they have seen and encountered black-eyed kids themselves. All right, you so, have yes. Yes, okay. which is what leads me to think there's if something there. If any of these there. people want to talk to me, I'll reassess. Hey, I'm going to try and get on that. Okay, there you go. Let's do that. Uh-huh. You're okay. in trouble now, Karen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you. Nice challenge. Okay, let's try and do that. But anyway, I think there's something here. What it is, I don't know. You know, the the article, of course, discusses it. You know, the different mm-hmm. theories are vampires. Uh, demons, aliens. Um, I don't know if, if it right now. I can't even remember if it got into a creation of you know the mind or whatnot. Um, but there are <laughs> theories put out there. Uh oh, are the fireworks going off, Karen? No, the kid walked upstairs. That's just the Freddy dog. Oh, <laughs> the dog that's afraid of his own shadow. Yeah, and Chad just Freedom reminded good me. Home about okay we're kind of talking about black eyed kids but there's also with this whole slender man stuff going on you know have you guys oh, heard about also that a really awesome urban legend going right but now have you heard the you know a couple of different reports about the the kids killing trying to kill and and to to appease slender man <laughs> no. no seriously yeah mm-hmm. you guys didn't hear yeah. okay well any anyway it's like these i mean okay slender man obviously was a creation that's that's yeah created by somebody for what was it a contest probably, or something? Probably Chuck. Well, um, now hold on a second. <laughs> hold on a second here. What? Um, Cheryl, I mean, there are stories of people uh, of you know that that goes back a couple hundred years mm-hmm. of coming into contact with people wearing of of men with white faces wearing black clothes who are extremely thin. Um, that would be. I don't a, know if this is like a societal that, archetype. I don't know. But it's like, I mean, it, it's just, it's another one of those things that's like, it just, it smacks of an urban legend. It's like my uh, my brother's yeah. uncle's sister's cousin's boyfriend's mm-hmm. third cousin, whatever, told me about this. And it's like, and I swear to God, it's true. It's just, it, it's, it just sounds like an urban legend to me. I'm never, I'm a never say never kind of person. Yeah. So with that being said, if I come across something that I feel is credible, then certainly my mind is open to it. But right. my experience with both black-eyed kids and um, Slender Man has always been the the 
very urban legendy versions of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I love urban legends, and I love to so get fine. a good chill, and things don't scare me that much. And so, when you find something that speaks to human fears to that point, like Weird Al Yankovic, you know, you just—I don't understand that. <laughs> my Weird Al fear. <laughs> he's so awesome. He's just a no. Nerd. He's frightening. Karen, my fear of zombies is way more rational than your fear of Weird Al. Come on. Is my fear of popsicle sticks also irrational? Yeah, and so are no the. Uh, your, so, so is your fear of uh, of bats flying up your butt in outhouses? No, that one actually is because my sister used to tell me that was what was going to happen when I went to the outhouse at our cabin. That's me. <laughs> so that one actually has like a a traceable root. Okay, so so we're talking about urban legends. So let's just skip to the urban legend for July, which was written by Jill Stefko. No, look at how she just brought us regular, right back on regular topics. Oh, yeah, it's like, so probably written by Jill Stefko I'm and so, Chuck. I'm anyway, so good go at on. that. Um, Chuck did write part of it. No, he didn't. Um, it's about the gray man. Have you heard about the gray man? Nope. Rick? I know that it's a uh, that it, it's what um, African Americans call white call white folks down south. But um, yeah, it's a it's a racial epithet. But sure, not in this case, it's not. But all right, I didn't okay. know Never that. Never heard it. Never heard of it myself. Oh, okay. All right, the gray man is an urban legend about. Uh, let's see. It's it's uh, it has to do with Polly's Island, and that is um, oh off of yes, South okay, Carolina. I know what that is. Okay, South Carolina's Atlantic coast, and mm-hmm. Jill wrote about it, and um, it's basically. There's a whole urban legend attached to it, but basically the gray man warns residents about hurricanes, which is kind right. of timely, actually. But there's supposedly been sightings of the gray man warning people to get, get out or get away to save them when these hurricanes are approaching. And uh, I had never heard of this urban legend before, so I was just curious if you guys had ever heard of it. Nope. Oh. But I like I say, I love urban legends. Urban legends are one of the few things that still <clears throat> actually have the capacity to scare me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's that good scared. You know so, what I mean? Yeah. It's right. like that delicious scared. <laughs> Not like the serial killer coming after you with an axe scared. Because right. that's just terror. So why do you guys, Chad br- br- emailed me, brought up, messaged me, brought up a good point. So why do you think, say, the Slenderman stuff where teens are killing, you know, to appease Slenderman, why has it gone to this level? Because people, well, I think, first of all, teens are very impressionable. Their brains aren't fully formed yet. Mm-hmm. And... um I think that I, you know, I hate to be that guy, but I'm, I'm just going to say it. I think that video games really skew reality for some kids, not all kids, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but for some kids. Um, and we live in a very frightening world right now. We have school shootings and mass shootings, yeah. like sometimes weekly. Mm. And I think that all of these things combine. So I, I just think that it's people acting out of, I mean, people with very young, impressionable minds acting out in ways that feel like it gives them some control over things. Because because right. I can't imagine being a teenager in this world today and seeing oh, all of the just unspeakable violence that rains down just so randomly mm-hmm. and, and yeah. feeling so out of control. Yeah. And so I think stuff like that is maybe just a sense, uh, it, it, it's, it's 
to grasp back it and try and get some control. And I think so, that they believe that the Slender Man thing is real. So, okay, let me stop you right there. They believe they could believe that it's real. So, mm-hmm. uh, is it a tulpa? Maybe a negative thought form? Something that has now become could a reality? Be. <clears throat> could be. Could be. It, it absolutely could be, or it just could be that these are young, impressionable mm-hmm. kids who hear really, really scary stories, and they're trying to take back some kind of control in their lives. Mm-hmm. And their brains aren't formed, and they, you know, some Jim told me once, and, and I've, I've never actually, actually I did read something in Psychology Today about it, that when they do scans of teenage brains, mm-hmm. and they do scans of psychopath brains... Mm-hmm. The scans are very, very similar. Really? Oh, jinx! That's amazing. <laughs> I, I, I need to. I mean, I need to find the article to cite it. But I actually, Jim told me that a long time ago, and I thought, well, you know, I don't really believe that. And then I was doing stumble upon. <laughs> Because, you know, why not waste time? And um, I came across an article, I think it was in Psychology Today, that was talking about that very thing, that the scans and the the energy patterns in the brain are similar. Mm-hmm. See, I mean, I, I find that interesting. But I, oh, and there goes my uh, my redneck neighborhood there shooting off fireworks. Wow. I heard that. Well, that was <laughs> yeah, wow. My dogs aren't barking Holy after God. that. Oh, that's right. My dogs are barking, but they're up on the up on an ottoman, so they feel fine. <laughs> you know, anyway, with the, go on. I, I, I personally, I think that there is because now we have the internet, and now we have you know things like social media, like Facebook, which I feel horrible talking about because I freaking love Facebook. But um, we do have a greater dissemination of um, well, bullshit. My French. Yeah, bullshit, you know, that is like flying around out there right now. So, I mean, we do, I mean, Slender Man, yeah, there are certain legends, um, you know, with like even with some Native American tribes of tall, very slender alien type creatures that will do you harm. But um, this is something that is wholly American and completely just, um, it is, there's, you got Facebook pages, you got thousands of websites for it. And then you got just this massive um, onslaught of violent images. I mean, just watch the news, for example. You watch the news, and it's like you have what's called the terror sandwich. They give you one story that is absolutely horrific. They give you one story that is like, oh, my God, it's all fuzzy feeling. It makes you feel good. But then another one after, which is more horrific than the very first one. So now it's like you got all these horrific images. I mean, is it really any any wonder that the world is, is maybe hurtling towards this dystopian nightmare that we seem to be hurtling towards? Well, see, here's the thing. I think that you're looking at one facet of society. I'm so sorry about the dogs. When That's you cool. say that the world is hurtling towards a dystopian, just a sec, guys. Uh, you talk amongst yourself for a second. Oh, that's okay. Well, Rick, that's no, why I, I think don't it's watch just the news. it's it's just too bad that we have like the news that seems to be more about you know scaring the crap out of us rather than yeah. us. Yeah, I like sorry, to I had to news. I had to place my grocery store order with the teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back that triple chocolate. But, but I wanted to I wanted to make a point because one facet of society is hurtling towards this dystopian thing, or so it appears. Mm-hmm. 
But what I also want to point out is that there's a whole other facet of society that's working to raise the vibrations of society and working to do wonderful good works in society as well. And so I hate it when we present it as society is going to hell in a handbasket without looking at the flip side of that is that there are a lot of light workers who are trying to, to do something as well. Right, and I agree. And actually, I'm glad that you touched on that because it's like you must have read my mind from, you know, over 4,000 miles away. I did. (laughs) It is true, though. It's like I was telling – I think I was talking to Shane Pittman uh, the other day about this, that it's like there are so many beautiful things left in this world. But unfortunately, because of the internet, because of social media, we have a tendency to focus on the ugliness of it. And it's not not healthy. No, it isn't. And – the other thing is is that we have that, and mostly because of the Internet, we have the one-minute news cycle. Right. You know, I mean, so everything gets out immediately, and um, I don't actually think the world is an inherently more dangerous, violent, and evil place than it ever was. As a right. matter of fact, I think it's probably better than it used to be. It's just that, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, exactly. And it's like here, like, example, for here in Chicago, I mean, it just – the weather alone is cause for these guys to get on the air and be like, Oh my God, we got 10 inches of snow coming. We're all going to die. And it's like, yeah, it's like, can't you, I mean, there is so much beauty in the world. Why can't you share that with us? Well, that's the stuff I write for the newspaper is I write all the little feel good puff pieces. Right. And I'm perfectly happy with that. I love writing feel good puff pieces. But yeah, because you're offering, you're adding more to the, you know, raising the vibration of society rather than taking away from it. Well, that's sort of my goal also to make money. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not completely that altruistic then. (laughs) Well, no, you know, I have a kid. I have to pay for college. (laughs) Exactly. So got to write good stuff too. Okay, so moving on with what else is in the magazine. What else? All right, let's check this out. Um... Gosh, there's so many good things. I don't even know what to pick. Uh, Psychic Biker um, did a parachat with Colin Fry. Paul Green, sorry. Did just mean to call him the Psychic Biker. Paul Green uh, mm-hmm. talked about Colin Fry. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, cool. Um, We're just list- we have our no, listening no, my, ears on, Cheryl. My head, I, We're waiting for you to bring Chuck up again. My cord was going out. So, okay, oh, good. Oh, I'll make sure you heard me. Chuck. Um, Chuck, all right. You want Chuck? I'll give you Chuck. Chuck wrote a column, and of course uh, he did. <laughs> and I don't even. How, I, I'm still not sure how to pronounce this, but it's it's in Japan. It's a naval base, and he wrote an article about the hauntings there called Atsugi. Did okay. I pronounce it correctly? I don't know. I'm not Chuck. Atsugi. You'll have to ask your golden boy. Yeah, I'll ask him next hour. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, oh, that's interesting. Chad just messaged me that the Reading Rainbow Kickstarter got $6.4 million. Wow, that's cool. All right, sidetrack. All right, so read that. Non sequitur, um, anyone? Come <laughs> Karen wrote an article. Uh, Did I read an article? You wrote an article, and you wrote two, actually. One is, Ooh, yeah, I want you to talk about, I, I want you to talk I, about. Right, Rick, I haven't heard her mention your name at all yet. Anyway, so she know, likes right? me better than you. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about using metaphysics to overcome chronic shame. Oh, that is, I think, a really interesting article because 
it actually arose from me realizing that I still had some lingering shame from some things. And, you know, I think I'm pretty much way better than everybody else. So if I'm still, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) I shouldn't denigrate my article that way. I felt it was a really important topic because I think a lot of us have shame. And we have this residual shame about all sorts of things. Like Cheryl and I were just talking yesterday about the fact that we feel ashamed if we have financial problems. And why is not, you know, if you're working hard and you're doing your best, why should you feel shame if you don't have enough money to, you know, go to St. Bart's or something? Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Cheryl, are you gone? I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, Yeah. So I think that's a good article and I think it's an important topic that people, yeah, don't, think of a lot of times is how that can affect your daily living i mean it Mm -hmm. really can Mm -hmm. so um and to me shame has a very distinct physical manifestation in my body i can tell you exactly where i feel it and how it feels so So yeah check out karen's article to use metaphysics to overcome chronic shame try it out see what happens you know could make a big difference transform your life yep i Um, dare you yeah I can't Do think it. of anything that I'm actually shameful of. I, I, you know, I don't think I've ever really done anything in life that would be like, oh my god, what the hell was it? Doesn't, um, it doesn't matter. Our media makes us feel shame. It makes us feel shame about the way our bodies look. And it makes uh-huh. us feel shame that we don't write, drive the right car or that we don't eat at the right restaurants or, I mean, so you don't have to ever have done a thing to be ashamed of, Rick. Okay. And you can still feel shame. Um, if you had That's a parent so who was domineering or who spent a lot of time criticizing you, there might be residual shame there. Well, no, I mean, you know, yeah, I did have a parent that was like that. And, and fortunately, I don't speak to that parent anymore. But it's like, I don't feel shame for them. I feel I don't feel I don't feel shame because of that. I feel pity for them. Well, then maybe you maybe you don't need this or maybe what I find is the people who are the ones that are who say, oh, my God, no, there's no shame in my life. No, 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 are usually mm-hmm. the ones who are not looking close enough and who are the ones who, who probably need the work more than anybody. And I'm not saying that about you. No, I'm just but saying no, that from my experience. No, you know what? You're right. You know, it's it's like it's like saying to that one guy that it's like, you know, oh, my God, you're so homophobic. That means yeah. that. Dot 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 dot. Yeah. But you know what? You may be right, and I am going to read that article because who knows? Maybe I might see something in there that's like, mm, yeah, that kind of clicks with me. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I don't want people to feel shame. Mm-hmm. But what I do want people to do is to really ex- the, to improve their lives by examining how they feel about things because we have all these pockets of things that we feel that we don't realize and they manifest in little insidious ways every single sure. day of our lives, and we just don't realize it. Yeah. So, well, no. It, well, it's true though, Karen. I mean, the the human mind is is quite possibly the most amazing tool that we possess. But mm-hmm. oh my God, it is so easily broken. Yeah, it is. It well, or just dinged, wounded, yeah. here and there, damaged a little bit. I mean, you know, I, everybody gets little. Nobody gets through life without a few dents. You just don't. Right. No, it's absolutely true, and I agree with that a hundred percent. And all I want people to do is is find ways to overcome anything that might be might be keeping them from living their best life. I'm sorry, I sound like Oprah, but um, really, I no, mean, it's, if you said that, you'd be like, everybody's got a new car. You get a car, <laughs> and you get a car. You get some shame, and you get some shame. Sorry. 
<laughs> so I don't know, Cheryl, when you read and edited that, did you find little pieces of yourself in there? Did you find anything? Of, and you don't have to get real specific, but oh, good. did you see how it could be valuable for anybody? Yeah, I think it can be valuable for anybody. And I think, I think, like you said, I think a lot of people may not even realize mm-hmm. what is going on inside of them because, well... You know, we're we're busy with day to day lives. We're stressed out. We're, you know, focused mm-hmm. on making money or you know whatever we need to get done. And so this builds and builds. And like you said, it manifests in different ways. And yep, it yeah. it can really hurt. You know, hurt come out in hurtful ways. And so I mm-hmm. think uncovering that kind of thing can only be good. Well, and human beings are like onions. I mean, you peel away a layer, and there's always another layer underneath. So you just do the best you can. And I think it's part of the reason we're here is to heal ourselves and in healing ourselves, heal humanity. So, Oh, that's heavy. Yeah, well, sorry. Okay, well, this is the July issue we're talking about, right? <laughs> it is, July. Not, not out yet, but coming out soon. All right, so moving on to the next. We're going to talk about Rick. <gasps> Yay! Rick, she Yay! likes you third best. Rick, all right. Um, Rick, we're running Rick's article on the Goldfield Goldfield Hotel in, in oh, uh, Nevada, mm-hmm. and that is our haunted sites call on this month. And the Goldfield, uh, if you're if you're into the paranormal, you might have seen this location covered on Ghost Adventures. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was quite a an infamous episode <laughs> with um, the brick. With that the brick. was no, that was the original. That was yeah. the documentary. Documentary, yeah, that was yep. mm-hmm. when they started it all, basically. Yeah, and um, it. It was some interesting footage that they caught there. Of course, a lot of controversy surrounding it, but they caught, you know, basically, uh, what, a brick materials, construction materials, fly, you know, flying across the room, pretty much. Right. Yeah, but um, you know what's interesting about that is? Yeah. It's like Dr. Michio Kaku, the smartest man in the universe, was like, I don't understand that. That is like, that goes against everything in, you know, everything in physics. And I mean, if you got a guy like Michio Kaku who says that I don't understand this, then there's something really there. Okay. I, yeah, I I actually like that episode a lot. Um, I, I just it just seems so like raw and like in the moment and yeah. all, all havoc. Like it, everything was went crazy after that incident with the material flying around the room, and it just was <laughs> pretty much yeah. Well, look at where Ghost Adventures is today, but. Um, yep. it's an interesting location, uh, and Rick, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but, um, I, I find it intriguing. Well, yeah, I mean, the Goldfield is just, it's one of those places that of course has seen a lot of, a lot of good times and a lot of it's tragedy. Yeah. I, I think that people, they want to, um, equate the negativity with, um, with a haunting rather than acquainting Sims that, you know what, I really liked being here, so I think I'm going to stick around. I, I think that we can agree with that, correct? Sure. Sure. But unfortunately, like most places, this place does have um, a lot of very you know negative uh, things that have been attributed to it. Um, there have been murders. There have been a couple suicides. Uh, there was one where the uh, former owner had tied up a young woman and, you know, practically beat her to death. And, uh, it's just one of those places that seem the good and that seem the bad. And, um, you know, you put them you both. You see together. them both and there you have it. The facts of life. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> you take the good, you take the bad. You take the good, yeah. Anyways, um, sorry. Tootie, by the way. 
but yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those places that um, that I I've never been there, but I do believe that that is that is a place that is legitimately haunted. Cool. Yep. I'd like to go there. Yeah. Me I too. All right. So what else? Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah, you want to talk a little bit about demonology. Uh, we have uh, an Inside the Psychic Mind column by Jackie Chen this month. Actually, it's a two-parter. It's the art of deception, of course, in demonology. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, obviously in the you know the paranormal reality TV, demonology gets a lot of coverage. Um, mm-hmm. We discuss it a lot here on the show. But mm-hmm. um, w- what do you think about demonology as far as in your perspective of paranormal investigation and how well i don't know just what what do you think about it and how often do you think that this is occurs in a haunting in a haunting never never because the haunting is very different Maybe I didn't phrase that question. No, I understand what you're saying. So I I think if it occurs at all, it's very, very rare. Mm -hmm. I also think that um, if you're a paranormal investigation team and you truly have signs that point to something demonic, um, whatever those signs may be, that you are out of your depth if you try to investigate it. It's not fun. It's not a lark. Mm-hmm. You can do real damage. You're not helping the people. As a matter of fact, you, you could be making it worse. And so when we get things where somebody, you know, really, really thinks that what's going on is, is demonic, we always refer them out to clergy. We never, ever touch those cases. Now, we get some cases where people say they think it's demonic and we say what's going on and they say, I saw a black mass in the corner of my living room. We'll go there. But, you know, if it's, um, you know, there's hellfire and brimstone and my house smells like sulfur and and <laughs> I saw something with red eyes and they screamed, get out, and it, you know, <laughs> right. and, yeah, and humans- my walls started bleeding when we sprinkled holy water on them. I mean, just no. Right. No. You know, and you see, it's like, I, and, and I think that Karen and I are both on the same page concerning that. My problem with with what is going on right now is is that it, there is a preoccupation with the dark side in the field right now. I mean, I think we can agree on that, correct? Sure. And it just it just seems that to me it is a lazy man's way out of saying you have a demon in your house rather than taking the time and the effort and doing the research to find out no, this is just some curmudgeonous old fart of a spirit that doesn't want you in your house or you are experiencing legitimate poltergeist activity or recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis. Um, it's just it's become like this this buzzword, just lazy man's way out. Um, you know, I know that I've told this story on air before, but there was a it was a poltergeist case that I had um, actually dealt with over the phone. I never even had to go to these people's home. And this woman was talking about how she had this this group come to her house. And they told her, like, your house is infested with demons and your daughter, who is, by the way, a special needs child with autism, is possessed by demons. And she is the one that's causing all these problems. Wow. And it's like, exactly. And when I heard, when I talked to this woman on the phone and she told me this story, I had never been so mad 
in my entire life that they would dare say that a special needs child was somehow demonically possessed. What this woman had going on in her house was legitimate, recurrent, spontaneous psychokinesis, and it wasn't coming from the daughter. I mm. do believe that it was coming from this woman. It and was. I, it was. It and was. I, yeah. And, I mean, and I told her, I'm like, here's what you need to do. I told her, I'm not a doctor. I'm a guy with a high school diploma, but why don't you guys try a little family therapy? She had just gone through a horrible divorce. She had no money. She was dealing with a child that has special needs. So, of course, she's going to be the focal agent, the person that is out this psychic temper tantrum, more or less. And I told this woman, I'm like, why don't you guys try, you know, seeing somebody, you know, talking to a psychologist within two weeks of them having family therapy. Everything in the house had ceased. No demons. It was all psychic ability that was completely out of control. See, and that's why I get concerned about people contacting teams that get their information from TV. Exactly. Or just are in it because they're they're for their own fascination with ghosts. They're they want to satisfy their own personal interests. Um, things like that is because we get people, and and my team gets pe- things from people all the time who legitimately need somebody to come in and figure out what's going on. And it can be layers upon layers upon layers of things. There may indeed be a ghost in this house, but there also might be psychological issues, and there might be, you know, energetic issues lingering from family dynamics, and there might be poltergeist things happening. And if you have somebody who's just watched a few episodes of Ghost Hunters, not to pick on Ghost Hunters, but, you know, or watched just a few episodes of, of Dead Files or whatever and they come in and they don't they they can actually make things worse and i tell people who contact us too hey look we'll come in and we'll make every effort to help you guys but you need to understand we might make the activity worse for a while and and i mean that's something we tell people that up just off the top because they need to know no, and you're, you are 100% correct. I mean, like with me, I am a student of parapsychology, so I am more interested in um, human consciousness than I am in a religious aspect. But, um, yeah, like you were saying with exorcism, you know, you, you hear these stories of, like, people, they bring, like, a priest in, this uh, an exorcist or whatever, to do an exorcism, and things get worse. Well, of course things are going to get worse because – one, a poltergeist is not a spirit, although poltergeists can either wake up or enhance a spirit that may already be in a house or bring something in. Or it's not going to work on a human spirit because when exorcism was established in the Rituale Romanum back in the 17th century, it was designed as a defense against the enemy of God. Well, a poltergeist is not the enemy of God, and right. a human spirit is not the enemy of God. So obviously this is not going to work on them. Right. Well, you know, I have deep religious and philosophical differences sure. with demons anyway. You've heard me say on the show many times, I refuse to acknowledge that there is something that is in this universe at its ultimate core that is evil. I, I do not believe in the existence of 
ultimate spiritual evil. I believe that there's evil in humans. Mm-hmm. I believe that there are spirits that come through that have never incarnated as humans. And yep. so they're, the ways they act seem very foreign to us and might seem frightening or evil when really it's just a lack of understanding. But right. as I, I do not believe that God has any natural enemies. See, and I think, too, that this is this is all, it's all fear-based superstition. It's, it, it no, goes, because for people who really believe it, though, I mean, for you can't go up to them and say, look, you believe in demons, this is fear-based superstition. You don't start there. You start where they are, and that's why we refer them to clergy. It's because oh, they no, still have to start funny. where they are. No, 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 that, that's, that's not what I'm saying, though. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What I'm saying is, is like you on on television, for example, and it's like, oh my God, we're talking about TV shows again, and it's like, I'm so sick and tired of doing this, but I mean, unfortunately, it has to come up, that it's like, this is a fear-based superstition, rather than moving us forward in the field using reason and logic as our guide, we are using this other thing, and it's actually causing misinformation that... It's like, oh my God, I have to fear my house because something in my house knocked a Bible off the table. Well, you know what? It also knocked a comic book off your table, too. Does that mean that it hates Stan Lee? Probably. But Rick, at the same time, (laughs) when you say using reason and logic as your guide, I want to touch on that for a minute. Logic as our guide. But I want to touch on that for a minute. Okay. Because... People watch what I do when I walk into an investigation scene, and it appears that I have no reason or logic to what I'm doing. Sure. I walk in, and I start to see things, hear things, feel things, smell things, taste things, and know things. Right. And I also know what to do about those things. Mm Mm-hmm. There's no reason and logic to that. So not everybody (laughs) investigates with... I have other people on my team whose job is reason and logic, mm-hmm. but it's not mine. Well, sure, but also, too, I mean, let's face it, your abilities as well as the abilities of others, y- you know, you had like the Ryan Research Institute with, of, of J.B. Ryan that it's like he tested these abilities in a laboratory setting. Right. Found, and although, I mean, yes, okay, it may be anecdotal, but... Through scientific research. No, it's social right? science, which is different than physical science. That's exactly. Exactly. So through this through this testing and through the use of reason and logic, he was able to establish these are abilities that really do exist. These are abilities that people really do exhibit. And in your case, you really do exhibit them. In the case of Nancy Laporta, who I work with, or Kathy Lattice that I work with, they have proven to me through reason and logic that they have this ability and that they are able to tap into something that the rest of us just can't tap into. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. I, I no, I disagree with even that. I think everybody can tap into it as well. I just think that, that there's such societal um, disdain for it. Sure, but but you know what? Some to a greater or lesser degree. I am of a lesser degree by being a sensitive, whereas you are a greater degree by being able to physically have a conversation with these entities. Yeah, I bet I've I've worked with it so that I got to that point. I didn't always used to be that way. So we have a question from Teresa in chat. Okay. 
And it's actually a really good question. She says, do you believe that people with special needs process paranormal activity differently than those without? The brain is a funny monkey. It seems to me that folks with different filters perceive things differently. Teresa, I have always believed with believe that. As a matter of fact, I used to work with a guy named Stephen. Um, you read about Stephen in my first book about Wellington Avalanche of Spirits. Stephen is, has Asperger's Syndrome, um, which is high-functioning autism. Mm-hmm. Um, and absolutely, I mean, that guy was frighteningly tuned in with things, but the way he experienced it and processed it was incredibly differently than other people. And so in my experience, yes, I absolutely believe that people with special needs process, their brains are wired differently. And different wired brains, it's, you know, it's just like if I'm blind, I perceive things like smell and sound differently. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that paranormal activity comes to us through just another one of our senses. Um, you know, we have we have our five senses plus proprioception, and yeah. then we have this other sense. And I, I, you know, I I may completely experience, for instance, the smell of popcorn different than you. Mm-hmm. Even though we're wired, you know, even though we're both supposedly normal. Um, <laughs> what is it? Neurotypical. That's what. I was trying to come up with the, because, you know, I live with two people with Asperger's in my house. Sure. And so Tanner and I are the neurotypicals. And they're, they're the Aspies. They call us neurotypical. Um, mm-hmm. But so even though you and I are both neurotypical, we may experience the color blue or the sound of a bell or something mm-hmm. differently. And so, yeah, I definitely think people with special needs um, just process it differently. What do you think? No, I, you know what, Karen, I completely agree, agree with you 100%. Um, an investigation that I went on, their son had, um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was he was nonverbal. But mm. at the same time, he was still, commu- you, could, you could tell that he was communicating with something that the rest of us could not see in the home. I mean, he, would la- he was able to laugh at things. He was watching stuff. You know, like it was as if he was watching people move around the house that I couldn't see, that Luke couldn't see, but Nancy sure could see. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And it's also like with children, too. Children process this stuff differently because their mind, they have not been um, what's programmed to say that this stuff does not exist. Like it's my son was talking to Jamie one day about how. He likes um, how he likes going on wooden roller coasters, but that's not how he died. Yeah, and that's actually, yeah. You know, Ian Stevenson, um, who was a great researcher for for reincarnation, um, he actually did all of his work with very young children. And Mm -hmm. he, he... most of the children that would report these spontaneous things like that were between the ages of like two and five. By the time they were six, they barely remembered it. And I've often told the story about when I said to Tanner when he was three, tell me about what happened. Tell me about yourself before I was your mom. And he was like, Hey, and his eyes lit up and he told me this whole detailed story about being a doctor on a boat to Africa and and everything else. And he's, you know, almost 18 now. He doesn't remember that conversation other than me telling him about it. 
Sure. So, so I agree. Children are so much more closely connected to their souls. And that's mm-hmm. why you see a lot of very young children, especially in Eastern religions, by the way, who right. report past life things. It's becoming more common in the West. But really, it's very common in the East um, to the point where researchers can match up the tales that these children tell with the actual verifiable facts that these kids are telling real things. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and it's interesting that you say that, too, because with like a lot of the Eastern uh, belief systems, such as Hinduism um, or Buddhism, they are far older than what we have here in the West, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Christianity, for example. Um, I'm not saying anything bad about Christianity. Um, but their belief systems are far older and far more um, rooted in, tr- in God, even tr- I don't even tradition, is it? But it's like their beliefs are, are more rooted in the earth mm-hmm. and in themselves rather than believing in some supreme being. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, some some Eastern religions still believe in a supreme being, but yes, I understand sure. exactly what you're what you're talking about. You know, I think what's interesting about the whole religion discussion really is is the the similarities. Even though we fight about the differences, sure. similarities between religions are far more striking than, than the differences. But you never hear religions talk about those because they want to be the only one or the best one. Or, But, but really, there's a lot of, of similarities there is. between I mean, religions. Right. I mean, when you take a look at Christianity, you can see a lot of similarities between Buddhism and you mm-hmm. can see a lot of similarities with mm-hmm. Zoroastrianism. Um, you know, the idea of forgetting oneself and thinking of others before you. Well, that's Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Um, or even with Zoroastrianism, which is, you know, the resurrection of the body. Um, that's another thing that is, it's, it's almost as if, like, our Western belief system has completely missed the message. And, and that message is, is that all of these religions and all of these belief systems all have a base in somewhere. They all have very amazing I mean, striking similarities that are like is it just is it you know is it one religion that we all come from is it something that we've forgotten over time yes i just we don't all know. come from yes we all come from the same place and mm-hmm. we have within our dna we have the cellular memory of the place that we come from the right. problem is is that we live in these societies, and, and this is all around the world, I'm not just talking about Western society or Christian, sure. that tell us this is the way we explain things and you need to believe this way. And that's always been my fundamental struggle in life. I've, I've been very honest for years about the fact that I have struggled in trying to find faith. And what I discovered is it's because I was trying to find faith in things outside of myself. And once I started meditating and really tuning in to inside of me, I found that well of faith. Sure. So. Well, I, I think that that's like the, I mean, as, as, as a student myself of Eastern um, thought and philosophy, mysticism, religion, whatever you want to cause, call it, it's like that is where you're going to find that, that wisdom mm-hmm. within you. Absolutely, uh, it's it's so much easier to find it within you rather than to find it find it with something without. It's absolutely it's log it's it's logical. It really is. 
Yes, and that's why I'm a metaphysical minister. It's mm-hmm. just exactly that. So, Cheryl, there you go. Did we answer your question? <laughs> you, it was rather you long-winded. Do you even yeah. remember your question? <laughs> I do remember it. I do. And I, I was going I, I to follow up by asking you about, uh, about okay, you know, the article is called The Art of Deception, of course, in demonology. And I guess I, I wanted to know what about these demons and whether you want to define that as the typical what people think of demons or what you think of demons for instance what do we make of when for instance a spirit slash demon represents themselves in a way that is deceptive so like they come to you as a child you know at first well, As any spirit can do that. And it's um, not, and then it becomes any living spirit can do that. I can catfish you across the internet and make a fake Facebook profile, and and I'm pretty sure because I'm so amazing that I could make you fall in love with me. What about so, when it becomes becomes negative? I love you, though? I so, I know you do, right? But I mean, <laughs> but that's a negative experience too. What I'm saying is, if I catfish you, yeah. if I tell you I'm Lance Smiley and I've got a <laughs> cleft in the middle of my chin and I have eight million dollars and you, Cheryl Knight, are the love of my life, and I, yeah. you know, I that's a pretty negative experience yeah. when you when you love me and leave Chad for me and find out that really I'm just you know Karen sitting up here in my house and. Having fun at your expense. Sorry, Jim's home. So there could be a number of reasons why a human spirit would sure. be deceptive. Sure, absolutely. They may just want to communicate and are afraid that they present to you, with, that presenting to you as something other than a child is going to frighten you, and really they just want the interaction. What about cases of, of trying to say hi, more or less, rather than trying to scare you? Yeah. What about cases of possession? How do you? What, what do you make Case, of that? Cases of what? Possession. Possession. Um, I tend to believe that cases of possession have more to do with um, allowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't think any spirit ever enters you unless you allow it. And I think that sometimes people have maybe some mental imbalances or mental things that opens them up to allowing that. Okay. Um, But I I think that it's always because it's invited in in the first place, or at least, if not invited, at least allowed. And this is allowing a... A spirit, so in your so it would be a human spirit, not the what many people may think as a demon who or a never spirit that has been previously been inhuman, yes, or inhuman. Well, yeah. you, I mean, I I've told you, I don't. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I say it in many different ways, yeah. but I don't believe that demons, as we describe them, the enemy of God, the spiritual opposite of all that is bright and good in the universe. I don't believe that that exists in ultimate spiritual truth. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I can't answer that any other way other than to say, yeah, I don't think a demon's going to possess a person because I don't believe the demon exists. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, and, and and I like the way that Neil McNeil put it when we had him on. Um, he said that you, you know, demons don't exist if it doesn't, you know, enter into your belief system. And I mean, 
You know, I, and that that makes some sense to me. I personally don't. I'm like you, Karen. I don't believe in demons, but that's not to say that I don't believe in inhuman spirits. There is a very big difference, but the inhuman oh, yeah. spirit is something. It's a, a lack of understanding because it's never been human. Okay. Right. Well, you know, like you know, with me coming from, like, I come from a very uh, different racial background. I grand, grandmother was Native American. I also come from a from a uh, Irish American background, and it's like both um, both people had a huge belief in inhuman spirits. You know, either the Fae or my grandmother used to talk about the Pukaweji, which was you know like the little people of the mountains mm-hmm. and very similar to the leprechaun, which is really kind of amazing. But, um, you know, there are inhuman spirits, yes. but inhuman doesn't mean that it's like the devil or yeah. demon. Okay. Exactly. It's I mean, just something we don't understand because it doesn't, it lacks the same frame of reference. Now I will say this, and this freaked Chuck out when I was on a show, but you know, that's good because I, you know, you love him better. Than you Lois. brought up Chuck this time. Okay. I know, I know, but <laughs> I, I do believe God. in I do believe in Watkins. Okay, mm-hmm. and I do believe that sometimes people just quit. They're like, I'm just done, mm-hmm. and another spirit by prearrangement or something then walks in and takes that person's place. Okay, I okay. do believe that happens. Yep, but that's not possession. But it might seem like it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, too, it's like, you know, um, for example, the, the Booth brothers have just recently released their new, um, um, their new documentary. The, it's, it's about, uh, it's, it's, it's about, it's, well, it's supposed to be about the true story of, of the little boy that the, that the movie The Exorcist is based on. And it's like, you know, we've always been, you know, believed that it's like, oh my God, this child was possessed by demons. But it's like, when you read, the actual case file of this, which I have, I've seen it, I've read it. Um, this is like, this is a poltergeist rather than something that is demonic. Um, it then, but you know, that's that's my opinion, but that's also the opinion of parapsychology as well. Yeah. So, any more questions, Cheryl? Not on demonology. <laughs> Not on. I think I get it. I think I. I actually agree with with many of the things that you both said. So okay, cool. Yeah. It's- so are we still working our way through the magazine? I want to talk about one more thing before um, I shut up about the magazine. Um, okay. It's an article that Elaine Elaine wrote. Elaine Davison, and she mm-hmm. writes the paranormal safety column. And in July, she writes about the dangers of driving drowsy. And I think mm, it's an important mm, topic mm. for everyone, but but you know, given our audience for paranormal investigators who are yeah, up late, you're up all night, yeah, up absolutely, all night, early in the morning driving. Um, in fact, uh, Elaine reports that driving drowsy is just as dangerous as driving drunk. That's it, it, you know, I actually yeah. interviewed a. Um, driver's ed teacher today for the newspaper mm-hmm. and we were talking about that very thing wow things okay. that and it's like driving drowsy is like 0.16 blood level alcohol or something i mean it's it's like worse than minimum drunk yeah minimum was what 0.08 in many states 0.08 is minimum in washington state yeah, anyway too, I think. yeah it's here in illinois yeah so it's it's worse than in in many you know yeah it's like double minimum yeah 
So mm-hmm. I think it's important, and it's an important topic. Um, well, all the safety topics are, but this is this is one that really applies to everybody. And yep. um, there's she offers some tips about you know signs of drowsy driving and what to do, what you can do right in the moment to uh, to help right then and there, and then um, to maybe even designate a driver if you're carpooling who, you know sole responsibility is to make sure people get home safe and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. It's a good idea. And also feel free to take a nap before you head out. Mm-hmm. Take a yeah. power nap. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the work that Elaine is doing is, is very important. I mean, it just, it adds, it's, it's furthering the field is what she's doing. It is. It is. And she's doing, I mean, the work she's doing is not sexy. And no. so it's wonderful that, She's doing something that's so important. Yeah. Um, because, you know, not a lot of people would be willing to take the time and give of themselves to do this type of work because they want to be doing the fun stuff, mm-hmm. the sexy stuff, the, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's there's nothing more fun and sexy than sitting in a dank, dark, old cellar and, waiting for a ball to move across the room. That's, that's definitely sexy. And that, I, I know. <laughs> I know, but people have this impression that what we do is, you know, this super fun, cool, and, you know, it's a, it, there's a lot of drudgery. Yeah. No, there really That's is. For sure. That definitely. Yes. So, moving right along. All right. Sure. All right. Sure. You guys want to take a quick break? Oh, sure. we haven't taken a break yet because we've been so busy. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Yeah. So let's do this. We'll take a break. And when we come back, it'll be more of the three of us. It's a Paranormal <laughs> Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. Stick around. From UFOs, haunting, psychic phenomena, demonology, urban legends, and so much more, where all these things come together, Paranormal Underground Magazine. Explore the unexplained place. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at Paranormal UG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. Frazier. I'm here with my co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio, Rick Hale. Hi, everyone. We invite you to join Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network to explore the unexplained every Thursday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific and other times in the flyover states. <laughs> Each week we talk with investigators in the field, researchers, authors, and experts about topics that include paranormal investigation, ufology, cryptozoology, and spirituality. So please join us each Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern for Paranormal Talk with great guests right here on HazyRadioNetwork.com. Hey, this is Karen Frazier, writer and radio host with Paranormal Underground. Since I wrote my book, Avalanche of Spirits, The Ghosts of Wellington in 2010, people have asked me what happened next. In my new book, Dancing with the Afterlife, a paranormal memoir, my Wellington story continues. 
Dancing with the Afterlife is more than the continuation of the Wellington story, however. It's also the story of a lifetime of afterlife research and paranormal encounters. What I've learned has changed my life, and it might change yours as well. To learn more about Dancing with the Afterlife or to read an excerpt from the book, visit DancingWithTheAfterlife.com. Thank you. Red Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Guy Who Wants His Own Paranormal TV Show. Mr. Guy Who Wants His Own Paranormal Show. You wear your beans with pride and your t-shirt three sizes too small, even though you have the body of a 98-pound video game nerd. Every location you visit may have a gift shop with thousands of visitors, but somehow you still get possessed by something evil. It may look like a bug to the rest of the world, but to you it's a demonic orb, and it wants to eat your soul. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, Mr. Overly Dramatic. Your acting may not be all that great, but you sure look awesome every time you see yourself in the mirror. Budweiser Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Hey everyone, Chucky G here. Come join me on my show, In the Dark Radio, where we talk with guests on everything from ghosts to cryptids. Starting from 10.30 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern, come into the zone and have some fun, right here on the Hazy Radio Network. Hi, this is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio We on HazyRadio.com. We are your hosts, Karen and Rick. And uh, for the last 45 minutes to, well, just about an hour, we have been waxing philosophical. Wouldn't you say so, Karen? We have been talking out our hind ends is what we've been doing. Yeah, that's usually how it works. <laughs> it is how it works, but this is what happens when our guest has a huge thunderstorm. And so right. we tell her that, no, it's okay. We'll cover because we don't want her to get electrocuted because we're exactly. nice that way. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's how paranormal underground rules. I know. And so because of that, Teresa had a special request for that lovely Budweiser commercial, which is a parody, of course, of a Budweiser commercial. Oh and uh, just have to point out that that is Teresa's husband, Wade, singing. And he did such a fabulous job. He did that whole thing over Skype. I would I sent him the words and then I would play him like um, what that little snippet would sound like. Uh-huh. Um, in a regular Budweiser commercial, and then he'd sing it back to me. And seriously, we did everything in like two takes. Aren't you like in love with his voice or something? Oh, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, it makes me weak in the knees. <laughs> it gives you the vapors. It gives me the vapors. Lottie, lottie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyway, yes, so it's been an interesting discussion. And um, so I told you at the start of the show before we came on the air that I had a fun story to tell you. Yes, and I, I am, I am, I'm actually, I am dying to hear it. I really am. Yeah, so we um, did an investigation with South Sound Paranormal Research, um, mm-hmm. some of us, at the Lewis County Historical Museum, oh, maybe two, three weeks ago. It was just a few of us from the team, and we invited... Um, 
our good friend Ben Robinson, who, of course, has been on the show. The amazing beard. The amazing beard, Ben Robinson. We invited Casey Goodwin, who um, works out of Portland. Uh, Michael White, who's been on our show. Mm -hmm. And um, Jay Verberg, who's going to be on our show, who, of course, you know from Ghost Mine. Sure. And um, so we invited them up, and basically we let them do the investigation, and we just sort of supported them. Of course, the Lewis County Historical Museum is a very active haunt. And mm-hmm. there is a particular spirit who lives, up, he hangs out up in what we call the catwalk. Um, it's just kind of a, an open attic area mm-hmm. where they store a bunch of stuff. This guy's cowboy, his name is Tom. He's very strong and powerful. People feel him all, all of the time. Okay. Um, and I've communicated with him. He's poked me in the butt with his gun before. You know, he's <laughs> a, he's, <laughs> is that a gun in your pocket? Are you happy to see me? Pitch in your I, butt. I hope it was his gun. Anyway, um, so he's this very active presence. So we told Jay about Tom. And Tom seemed really drawn to Jay from the start. I could feel. And I think it's because Jay looks exactly as he does on Ghost Mine. He's got the, you know, the the old, old-timey old facial hair. And mm-hmm. he wears, like, the leather kind of minor cowboy hat. And, I mean, he looks he looks very much like a person from a different era. And mm-hmm. so Tom was really drawn to that from the time Jay was there. And I told him that. And Jay was like, okay, well, I'm going to get this guy to interact with me. And so he was doing everything he could to get Tom to interact with him. You know, knock my hat off my head. And he went up there and he, he went up with like a black powder rifle unloaded, of course, over his shoulder and was talking to him. I mean, he spent over an hour trying to get this this guy to interact with him. I was listening because we had microphones through the through the museum, so I was at base camp listening. And so he tried and tried. He just really desperately wanted this guy, Tom, to interact with him. So Jay goes, and he's walking. He, he finally gives up, and he's walking to the front of the museum, and Andy, the museum director, is walking back with the camera. He's been taking some pictures. And Andy walks past Jay, and Jay kind of says to him, well, you tell Tom, if Tom gives you any trouble, you tell him I'm going to be back there again and not to give you any trouble. And, and of course, Andy, you know, guys, macho kind of thing. And Andy's like, oh, I'm fine, no problem, he won't bother me. And he goes walking back there, and 30 seconds later, he's in, in base camp with us. He says, will somebody come walking back there with me? He had seen him, the guy, full-bodied oh. apparition, Andy. So... Sent Billy back with Andy, and we told Jay, "Oh, hey, Andy saw Tom." And so Jay's like, "What?" So he goes back and he tries to get Tom to interact again. And at this point, I think Tom is screwing with him because sure. he's trying again for another twenty minutes or so. And then he goes up front. And he's sitting up front. And he's playing jacks with this little girl spirit up in the front of the museum. Mm-hmm. And Ben and Casey and Ben's um, girlfriend Nicole and Michael are all up in this catwalk area. And Jay's the only one not there now. Mm-hmm. And they they say something like, "Okay, well, can you let us know you're here?" And a pot lid comes sliding out at him from one of the the shelves. So it was so funny because Jay was trying so hard to get this dude to interact, and he would only do it when Jay wasn't there. Huh. <laughs> it was it was actually very amusing. So then they told Jay, and he's like, "Oh man!" So <laughs> I think Jay will probably need another trip to the museum to. Sure. See if Tom, I th- but I think Tom was messing with him. I, I, I feel that he was fully amused by that because Tom interacts with everyone. Right. So, but not with Jay. <laughs> <laughs> 
hey, maybe it's like an energy thing, you know? Maybe he just doesn't dig on uh, Jay's energy. Oh, no, he totally, I mean, I could feel him because I'm pretty familiar with Tom's energy. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm at that museum every Friday. I volunteer there every week. And plus, I've investigated it many times with the team and stuff. And I could totally feel how he was just fascinated. I mean, he was right there with Jay as Jay walked around. I mean, he was right there. It was kind of like an alpha male thing, kind of, you know? Sure. And, but, but none of the interaction, but he would do it as soon as Jay was gone. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I know. So you had something you want to talk about, too, right? Yeah, you know, it's uh, I got a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, Friday night, I did an investigation. We did an investigation. It was with uh, it was with me, Chuck, Luke, um, Stephen Lambert, uh, the extreme ghost hunter from uh, Great Britain, and uh, the psychic medium Nancy Laporta. We did an investigation on a home. Um, I can't really tell you, you know, where it was an undisclosed location and a private residence. It was Somewhere very in the flyover states. Exactly. Somewhere in northern Illinois. Beautiful home. Uh, almost a $2 million house. Uh, only 13 years old, and yet a lot of activity was there. We're still going over all the evidence to find out what you know who or what was inhabiting this home. But um, you know, whatever it was, it's, it, it appears that it's a possibility that this was an attachment to the homeowner and that they you know, inadvertently brought this spirit or spirits into their home. Interesting. Yeah. But they yeah, should was, be able to clear them out. It should be okay. Yeah, you know what? But I also, I, I'd like to leave that to Nancy mm-hmm. uh, because this is a spiritual thing. And although I'm mm-hmm. a very spiritual person, I think that she is definitely more qualified to deal with that kind of thing than, you know, I or Luke or Chuck are, you know, that what we're able to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a cool investigation and that'll be very cool. On an episode of Eerie Events, is that right? Yeah, it's, it was actually it was a joint investigation um, or project between Eerie Events and the Ghost Tapes, which I am involved with both of them. But now here's the thing. We have to get the homeowners to sign off on this episode before we are able to air of it. Of course. Um, of course, which is you know the, the ethical thing to do, and I am of all course. about ethical behavior. And... Um, but, you know, Luke being the brilliant and genius editor that he is, I mean, if he can make me look thin on camera, then he can, you know, make the home non-existent. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> I think that it's going to it's it's going to if, if if the homeowner signs off on it, it'll make a great episode. Very good. Well, I look forward to. So when is when is the first episode of the Erie events airing? Well, is first it up? Yeah, it is. Um, tomorrow, however, is uh, Ghost Tapes Two drops. Okay, uh, you can you can find it, it at YouTube. Drops. Yeah, it drops. You're such a celebrity. Go on. Oh my! Oh God! Please don't say that. Jeez. Um, yeah, it it it's it's going to um, it's finally coming out. It's going to be on Luke's uh, Facebook page, which is Luke Millette. That's uh, M I L L E T T. It's also you you can find it on YouTube, and I'm sure that you could also find it on our Facebook pages as well. And um, it is my first time ever being in front of a camera. So um, I think I did an okay job. Uh, the, the very few people that have seen it, my wife being, a, you know, for one, you know, but then again, she's my wife. So she's supposed to find she me. She has to say nice things to you. But you know what, though? Jamie is an amazing critical thinker. So, you know, it's like she's going to tell you what she thinks. So if she thinks that I that we did okay. 
then we did okay. Um, that is going to be tomorrow, uh, Ghost Tapes 2. Um, I can't. Oh, I am. I'm like antsy in the pantsy for this thing yeah. to find out. Um, and the very first episode that Chuck and I did, Eerie Events, um, episode one, which is Robinson Woods uh, on the northwest side of Chicago near Des Plaines. Um, this is a, uh, a location that is legendary in the Chicagoland area for being one of the greatest haunts. And this episode you will be able to see on our Facebook pages as well as Chuck is – I believe Chuck is in the middle of creating uh, – he has created a website, which is eerieevents.org, as well as uh, creating a special uh, Facebook page for this. And um, that's going to come out on July 18th. So it wow, is big month the, for you. Exactly. Um, you know, and it's like I wrote on my Facebook page earlier, there's a lot of people that I have to thank, for, you know, concerning this. And um, I think it's because I never wanted to, to appear in front of a camera for two different reasons. One, I'm very self-conscious about my about my appearance. Um, I mean, I'm not an ugly guy, but I mean, I don't think that I'm exactly something that people want to look at on a weekly basis. But, you know, I could be wrong, too. But also, too, I think that a lot of it had to do with because I was afraid of it selling out. But I don't think that joining in is the same as selling out. Okay. So, Very yeah. Good. Yeah. So, you know, Ghost Tapes 2 tomorrow. Um, and on July 18th is the first episode of Eerie Events. Well, congratulations. It's a big month for you. Thank you. I got nothing. <laughs> you got nothing? I got nothing. I just uh, I just submitted my master's thesis. That's exciting. Yeah, you were telling us about that a little bit. Um, yeah. What, what, what's that all about? Well, so um, it's my master's thesis for to get my master's in metaphysical science. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, I wrote it on reincarnation. Which is something um, you're very passionate about. I am. I am. And um, I've been doing the research for quite some time for it. And, I mean, I realistically, I've been researching this for years. <laughs> right. But officially, I've been researching it for quite some time now. And um, I feel pretty good about it. I, I feel like, um, you know, I had something new to contribute to the conversation. And essentially, my entire thesis is, look... We've we've talked the proof stuff until we're blue in the face, and I can list you all of the things, all of the social socially scientific evidence mm-hmm. that verifies that that reincarnation is a thing. Right. So I can talk you through that, and that's the conversation that we need to stop. I mean, we can keep having that, but we need to move beyond that conversation. The conversation we need to have now is why. Why are we having reincarnation experiences? Why do people remember past lives? What does it mean to us and what and and how can it serve us and serve humanity? And so I cover a lot of reasons why that is in my thesis um and how it can serve humanity and and my belief is that um the way that it serves humanity is that it reminds us that we're souls that we're not these bags of flesh and bones, but that we are souls, and we are something so much greater than what we believe ourselves to be. And once you can step away from that ego identification of me, Karen, and step out into this broader divine soul that goes on and on and on, it changes the way you look at life. Right. And so the conversation needs to be about that instead of proving it, because I believe we've proven it. 
No, I, I do. I do believe that. And, you know, it, it's funny, too, that you bring up how, you know, with it's been, you know, a greater conversation lately. There has been uh, a number of uh, reports that have come out of children, um, young children, reporting these, yes. um, you know, past life events. Like I was saying earlier with Theo, how he said that he loves wooden roller coasters, but that's not how he died. And when Jamie told me about that, it sent chills down my spine. It's like... It's a little it's, disconcerting. Yeah, it is. It's like, mm-hmm. is he is he experiencing, you know, a past life um, intruding on present time? Or is his psychic ability, um, because there is a considerable amount of psychic ability in my family... And is that beginning to develop and come out? I mean, no, he's just remembering. He remembers. He's three. Yeah, I, yeah. I was, I was telling my wife too that, and I vaguely remember when I was a child having dreams of being a World War One soldier. Hmm. And this was before I even knew what World Wars were. You know, World War One, right. two. But I have a dream of a man running through a trench dripping with blood and sweat, and then finally just dropping dead. Was this person, was I this person in a former life? It's World War One. I. I don't know. It's World War One. No, 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 no. It's Civil War, Rick. It's Civil War? Mm-hmm. Because I huh. see a cannon with the big wheels. Okay. You know what I mean? The big wheeled cannons? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if I remember correctly, like the dream that I had was very specific to, you know, like the uniform, the, the you know, the, okay. the white brimmed metal hats. I mean, yeah, an ancestor of mine was at Gettysburg and did fight in the Civil War and fight from the beginning to the very end. But um, it just it seems like the uniform was, but not really so much American. It seems like it may have been British. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's like. Is this like, did I see this in a movie when I, you know, it was some kind of like um, cryptomnesia or was it really a past life dream that I was having? I mean, Well, I'm is- not picking up on your, on your world war life. I'm telling you right now, you were a Southern. Civil well, that would, war. that would be consistent with my family. Yeah. I'm picking up on Southern civil war, the big wheeled cannons. Mm-hmm. See, the, look at what Nancy just said in chat. It feels like he was part of the South. Well, that's you know my family. I mean, <laughs> hell, my family is one of the founding families of the of the of the you know the great state of Alabama. So I mean, we have a we have an entire county named after us down oh, there. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, but, yeah just, so so I, I you know um, it it could be it could be another it could be another life as well. But the one that I see is is your Civil War life. And if I'm seeing that, Nancy's seeing that, that has some significance for you, and. Um, sure. There's a reason that we both see that right now when we're having this conversation, and that's something for you to figure out. No, I agree. I mean, Nancy, yeah. you know, I love Nancy. I will. I, I cannot say it enough, and she is hugely influential on my life. And, well, that's uh, good. So, yeah. You need somebody like that. I just realized what time it was. Oh, And it- so it's almost time for Cheryl's teacher's pet. Oh, yeah, yeah, Chuck. Oh, Chuck. So, Cheryl, Chuck. next week we are talking to whom? Next week on Paranormal Underground Radio, we are talking with Bob Fountain. And Bob is from the investigative team called Spectral Tech. Now, that is a relatively new team, although Bob himself has investigated on other teams before that. But um, it's going to be a good show. We have a lot of EVPs to play. I know his team has, within the past year, investigated a number of interesting sites, one of which was 
Waverly Hills and um, some some other sites. Um, and so we're going to have a good show next week. And then going further out July 17th, we're talking with Jay from Ghost Mine. Mr. Ferber. Yes. Yeah. July 24th, we're having on Trish Lesage, and she is an energy healer of the Violet mm-hmm. Flame. And now I don't know what the Ooh. Violet Flame is. Do you know what that is? I know what the Violet Flame is. I knew you would. What is it? I have no idea. What is it? The violet flame is what when you when you move up through your chakras and move into your the alternate plane, you okay. step through the violet flame to heal yourself or to purify yourself. And um, once you step through that, then you're purified and can do healing work. Wow. Okay. Can't wait to hear more about that. She's. I also, mean, that's my. Con- I, her, mm-hmm. Hers may be totally different, but that's what, what I use know. the violet flame for. Okay. Uh, yeah. She's written several books, one titled How to Achieve Fifth Dimension Consciousness. Sweet. So that's going to hmm. be an Oh, I'm excited show. about that one. That's right yeah. up. That's in my wheelhouse, that's your man. Alley. Yeah. Okay, so that's going to be a night where I can just sit back and listen and learn. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a woo-woo night, but you know what? I love those woo-woo nights because yeah. I'm pretty woo-woo myself. So, uh, Let's talk about July 31st. Charlo okay. Samet. Founder of, of Malta yep. Paranormal, member of EPAS, and cast member of the show El Oscar. Yeah. AKA The Dark. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, good, yeah, month. I, good month. Good month. Definitely ask him about the pronunciation of that because, okay. you know, El Oscar, that, I'm not sure if that's the actual pronunciation, but we can ask him about that. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> yeah, us Americans, yeah. you know. Yeah. Also, stay tuned for Chuck's show in the Dark Radio immediately following Paranormal Underground Radio. He's welcoming Stephen Lambert, and uh, Stephen um, has investigated many sites in the UK, and so they'll be talking paranormal investigation and all sorts of fun stuff. That's right. So stick around for Teacher's Pet, Chucky. <laughs> Chuck. <laughs> oh, Chuck. I love you, Chuck. Chuck. I love Godsky, you. We love you, Chuck. Well, Rick bruvs you. I love you. Okay, so guys, we are back, and good things are going to happen, so stick around for Chuck E. G.'s show, and thank you for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. Next week, we'll be back 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states, and we'll actually have a guest. So you guys all have a wonderful evening. Good night. Good night, folks. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio... Email editor at paranormalunderground.net. Until next time, keep exploring the unexplained at paranormalunderground.net. Please join us next week for Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network.